Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Bethlehem Church Podcast, where our goal is to offer you compelling biblical content to equip you to live an empowered Christian life. Each week, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Matt Robinson, or another member of the Bethlehem team. We also host a conversation every week where we unpack different facets of Sunday's message. We're so excited about this message, and we hope it's a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Let's turn to Psalm, Psalm 77. We're going to start there, and we'll walk our way through the text a little bit. And this is the last week, Habakkuk part four. Uh, If somebody on the back, maybe Jen, could hit that button at the top of the light switch so that those things brighten up. Amen. There we go, if you need to write something down. Uh, The last week here in our series on Habakkuk, and then we have a special speaker next week, uh, and that'll be exciting. And then I'm going to jump into another book. And I'm thinking about uh, one that's been heavy on me for quite some time is the book of Romans. It's a daunting book. It's a lot there, um, but I think that we're ready. I think that we're ready for it. Uh, It's a lot of theology. Um, It's a lot of foundational truths that really drove Paul's ministry. And if you don't know, maybe you're newer here, Paul is my guy. Uh, I love the Apostle Paul um, more than any other figure except Jesus. Uh, He he is the man. I love what he did, what he represented, the ministry that, that he built through the Spirit of God. And I feel like Romans is just the foundation of his ministry. Um, It's the marching orders. It's everything he believed in. uh, And I think that it would be a a helpful book for us. It's a lot, though. It's meaty. Um, If we could get to the point, and I believe this, where most of what we were doing was driven by theological truths of what we knew to be true and what we knew the Bible was saying, we would be a unified church. We, we would be a church that is getting it done. We would be a church that's exploding on every front uh, because we would be centered and grounded in what the Lord wants us to do and not what uh, modern-day pressure or societal pressure or political pressure. Uh, we need to be rooted and grounded in the Scriptures. We need to be rooted and grounded in our theology uh, where we can sniff out something that just doesn't smell right, that we know is not biblical, Um, Not that we're going to turn our nose to it, but we can pray for it and not be affected by it. Um, And, you know, that's where all the little shareable memes on uh, social media, it kind of reveals sometimes where we are theologically uh, with them being more, uh, and I'm not saying stop doing that. I'm just saying sometimes I read those and I'm like, okay, all right, (laughs) that wasn't thought through or that wasn't uh, put through the filter of good sound doctrine and good sound theology. Um, And so the more that we do that, the more that we dig into the text here on Sundays and Wednesday nights, the better we're going to be. The more word of God, the more text, it is what's powerful. Uh, We have to keep driving that home. It isn't a personality, it's a book, right? It's the words of God. This is what it is. Um, So anyway, uh, I'm excited about that, and I may change my mind, but that's kind of where the Lord has me, headed towards the book of Romans um, for our next series. But we'll finish up this book, Habakkuk, and like how timely was this book? Like consider the fact that what he's doing is he's seeing the lay of the land, he's seeing the landscape, and then he's taking that cry to the Lord. Look at our world right now. Much of what we're reading about is taking place in another part of the world. 
uh, in the same fashion, in the same way. And, and really, uh, we can, and Pete and I were talking about last week, it's like the five woes. Like we can bring those five woes right into modern day from last week's message. They're applicable, they're here, they're, uh, they're evident. And so uh, this message is, is vital. Um, you need anything? You okay? You all right? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you look like you need something. But it's, it's a, a vital message for the church. And uh, we, we can really apply these things to what's happening in the world and where we are and how we're responding to it. Um, but I also want to kind of paint this picture here. Uh, remember, the Bible is a unified story. It, it's, it's unified from different perspectives, different uh, genres or types of literature. Um, you know, I was thinking yesterday, I think what, what this world needs more than anything is more Proverbs and less Revelation, if you know what I mean. Uh, we need more practical, biblical advice in our lives than we need to know what's coming next. We're so worried and concerned about what does this mean, Russia's on the move, you know, and I, I kind of teased a little bit with my post yesterday, poking the bear a little bit, but pastors, it's like the clickbait of pastors is Bible prophecy, we think that that's what matters. Look, what we know is that Jesus wins in the end. Everything between now and then is up for debate, just so you know. It's not really a for sure, and if someone says they know exactly how it's gonna play out, turn run the other way. You know, make that your last coffee appointment with them. Because nobody knows that. It, this is a widely debated, widely uh, disagreed upon topic of, of Bible prophecy, and so, the church, like, I'm like, oh, Lord, Russia's making a move. Cue up all of the Christians. And if you shared one, I'm sorry, because I'm embarrassing you right now. Hurry on your social media and pull them down. Uh, but it's like, cue up all the prophecy things that we're going to share. The Lord's coming back, you know. And I get it. The Lord's coming back, right? Um, but it might not be com- he might not be coming back to your uh, specific perspective on theological end-time uh, uh, events. So anyway, eschatological timelines differ. And so my point is, is we get distracted. We, we get consumed of what we think is important, and it's not important how the Lord chooses uh, to play out these end-time events. What's important is that we persevere. That's what the book of James talks about. That's what Paul's theme is. Don't quit. When it gets hard, when, when it's not the popular thing to be the Christian, remain a Christian. Amen. Stay. Amen. Push through. Uh, that's what's there. Uh, but anyway, we, we want to be right more than we want to be real. And, and that's unfortunate. It really is. But I, I'm trying and I'm striving to uh, help sculpt as, a, uh, as an elder in this church the, the way that we do things and the way that we present. This week, the Lord laid someone on my heart. I've been praying about who can I share the gospel with lately. And Boom, like the Lord almost audibly gave me a name this week. And I was like, really? Him? <laughs> Someone that I was introduced to uh, recently. And it was just clear as, clear as day. And I was thinking to myself, like, I wonder how I'm going to do that. And I saw him posting. I'm going to keep it uh, ambiguous at this point. But I saw him posting online. And I saw other believers jumping on his post like slamming him and going back and forth about scriptures. And I thought to myself, he's making my job harder. (laughs) You ever think about that? You ever see another Christian doing what they think is right, but you have a different perspective and you're like, they're really making my job harder to share the Lord with them. Anybody ever see that or is that just me? Three of you. Okay, all right. I'm talking to you three right now this morning. 
But my point is, is we have to get a broader perspective. The fact that the Lord is working in our midst and it might not look like it's always looked. We might need to get creative. We, we might need to pray and ask the Lord for wisdom. We might need to say, Lord, give me the words. You might not have the full capacity of what you need to reach that person that the Lord has for you, but that's okay because we have the Holy Ghost. Um, so anyway, we're, we're trying to shape a perspective here, a worldview uh, where we become effective in gospel ministry, right? My goal is for each and every one of you to become effective in gospel ministry, not to become complacent, not to become stagnant. How many are happy in your unhappy relationships? <laughs> you and me, Josh, we're on the same page. But you, you get what I'm saying? Like, how many of you are, are happy in, in this place where you're like, man, I, I'm just, I'm unhappy. The Lord isn't working. He's not doing anything. No, we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be happy with that. We should want to move the needle forward and, and pursue a deeper relationship with the Lord. That requires change. That requires saying, I'm not going to do the same thing today that I did yesterday. Anyway, all right, moving along uh, to the fourth part of Habakkuk. I'm excited about this. Uh, I'm going to pray one more time, and then we'll jump in. Father, speak through your word. Give me your words to say. May I just be your mouthpiece this morning. Unify us this morning under the banner of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 77. I started to say this earlier, and then I went on a tangent. Uh, go figure. Uh, but the Bible is a unified story. And so uh, it's better to consider and think about where is this somewhere else? If I'm reading this story in Habakkuk, chances are there's another part of Scripture that weaves this part of the story into that story because it's all about one story. Uh, and the more you realize that and the more you connect it as one unified narrative, uh, the more you'll understand Scripture. How many want to understand the Bible better? Anybody? Okay, good. Uh, we're unified around that. Uh, so what I think is interesting and what I'm doing this morning, and it's in the program, is I'm showing you how I study the Bible and how it brings other passages of Scripture together. Many of you have a study Bible, right? Uh, these aren't things that you have to invent or, uh, you know, the Spirit just gives them all to you. Part of it is just using tools. And so many Bibles have in the middle cross-references, uh, and so when you go to those cross-references, you're able to see other places in Scripture that are talking about the same thing. Some of them are actually parallel, uh, where they're literally the same thing from another author, from another perspective at a different place in time, which is what's amazing about the Bible, that it works together. So Psalm 77 is a parallel psalm uh, to this uh, time of crisis that Habakkuk is going through. So I read it now, Psalm 77, and they're just going to follow me or try to follow me back there. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, follow along there or in the program. There's several ways. For the choir director, according to Jedithun of Asaph, a psalm, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. Verse 2, I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. My hands were continually lifted up all night long, I refuse to be comforted. I think of God. I groan. I meditate. My spirit becomes weak. Can any of you track with that? Man, we're not alone. The cry of worship as the Lord inhabits our praise. I didn't want that last song to end. I don't know if you could tell. This is where I didn't want it to end. I know I don't, I'm, I'm still running short on time as it is, but... I've got a sermon I've got to preach too, but I'm like, eh, just kick the sermon, let's just keep singing. I could listen to Kaylee sing that song all day. 
What a song. But it's, it's coming from a deep place. Some of you are struggling in addiction, right? I mean, that's, we all have di- different addictions and struggles. And that song says, I speak Jesus over that addiction. That's a cry from within. I'm struggling with this, and Jesus' name is spoken over your life. What I'm trying to get you to see, it's not Jesus over here and you over there. And some days I come over here and have a good relationship, and other days I stay apart from him. He's all in it. He's in the middle of your trauma. He's in the middle, Ruth, of your tragedy and your sorrow. He's working his purpose and his plan from within. That's why it's not an excuse to stay that way, because he's there. He's nigh unto the brokenhearted. So when we read a psalm like Psalm 75, and people that are going through, uh, remember the five woes, economic hardship, slavery, injustice. These are people uh, just like us that wrote psalms just like this as they cry out in their heart. Verse 16, look at verse 16 in Psalm 77. The Lord saw you. God, the, the, let me say this too about what I'm about to read. I forgot to, but listen to the imagery that takes place in this part of the psalms. It's going to be a, a parallel to Habakkuk. And, and he's saying a little more than what meets the eye here. Remember a couple weeks ago when we talked about Marduk and how Habakkuk was bringing in thoughts about the Babylonian God and he was challenging the Lord with those thoughts? That's what's happening here. He's, he's pulling from ancient Near East culture uh, the idea of the people that were attacking them, they had a God too. This was a polytheistic mentality, right? Where they all had their gods, and then there was Yahweh, the, the true supreme being, God of Israel, right? But the, the writer and the narrator, they often draw these correlations between Marduk, who was this raging warrior, uh, and this water imagery. Water is a picture of chaos. Now read Psalms. It says here, the water saw you, God. The water saw you. It trembled. Even the depths shook. The imagery, the narrator, even in the Psalms connecting to Habakkuk is saying the chaos that the nations think that they're bringing, that very epic chaos, the fear that they're using, their fear is trembling at you. That's what's happening here. The the very control that Marduk, the god of the Chaldeans, uh, what he's summoning, that very thing is scared of our God. No matter what you're going through, the thing that you're going through is scared of God. That's what he's saying. The clouds poured down water. The storm clouds thundered. Watch this. Your arrows flashed back and forth. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Lightning lit up the world. The earth shook and quaked. Your way went through the sea and your path through the vast water but your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. He's pulling the imagery of, of the defeat that they're walking through to a past victory. He's saying that we might not make it out of this one, but we know in the narration of scripture that the people will come out of exile. The Exodus story is all throughout scripture. The Lord is always for the underdog. He's always for the oppressed people. And they always will be set free in the end. 
What an incredible thing. Now go to Habakkuk chapter three. Let's find the correlations here between these uh, books here. We're gonna start right there, Habakkuk chapter three. We're reading a lot of scripture today, uh, but it's, it's the best. We can't avoid it. A prayer of a prophet, a prayer of the prophet Habakkuk, according to that name there. Uh, Lord, I have heard the report about you. So remember, this is the third prayer of Habakkuk. So we've had a prayer and then an answer, a response from the Lord. A prayer and then a response from the Lord. Then five woes, which we believe is God's condemnation towards the Chaldeans and the Babylonians. Um, and then here it is. This is the final, the finale of Habakkuk's prayer to the Lord. Um, and then the confidence that he has in the Lord is expressed at the end. But this is his final prayer. Lord, verse 2, I have heard the report about you. Forgive me as I pause here and sip. I did some screaming this morning. It was fun. Mm. If you want to stay after, we're going to do that whole worship set again at the end. You can leave if you want, but... Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. There's so many good things here. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, remember mercy. God comes from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. So this is like literally a psalm. This is Habakkuk saying, I've had my prayers. Don't miss this. I've had my prayers and my exchanges with you. I remember he was sitting on top of the wall, looking out over the city, knowing what's coming, and here's, what he here's, here's the result of that, him pinning songs, him pinning worship in the darkest times. Selah. His splendor covers the heavens, and the earth is full of his praise. Verse 4, his brilliance is like light, rays of flashing from his hands, this is where his power is hidden. Does that sound familiar? We just read it in the book of Psalms. Plague goes before him. Uh, this is a shout out to the God of Marduk right here. The narrator is, is playing on these words here. He's saying, the plague goes before him and pestilence follows in his steps. They looked at those things as the strength of their gods. And so the narrator is saying here, I'm, I'm accepting the fact that it's not Marduk, but it's my God that's doing these things. I'm accepting in my worship, I don't like these things, but these things follow my God, not the other God's lead. Yahweh is in control, not the other way around. That's, that's what he's saying. Verse 6, he stands and shakes the earth. I was thinking uh, that song we sing often, This is Amazing Grace. Uh, he shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in on wonder. The king of glory, the king above all kings. It's literally an excerpt. I could see where that author of that song, I think it's Phil Wickham, uh, where he's writing. It's the same message. We reach that place. Let's silence our phones. We reach that place in our lives that's the same place that the psalmists reach that the prophets reached and we're saying the same message we're singing it today think about that in a modern day worship song and it's the same wording found right here it's amazing he says here verse 7 i see the tents of kushan in distress the tent curtains of the land of midian tremble are you angry at the rivers lord is your wrath against the rivers or is your fury against the sea when you ride 
on your horses, your victorious chariot. chariot. Remember, Marduk was the warrior god riding on the ocean, riding on the water. You see what he's doing? You took the sheath from your bow. The arrows are ready to be used with an oath. Another one, Selah. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains you see, uh, the mountains see you and shudder. A downpour of waters sweeps by. The deep roars with its voice and lifts its wave high, its waves high. Sun and moon stand still in their lofty residence. At the flash of your flying arrows, at the brightness of your shining spear, you march across the earth with indignation. You trample down nations in wrath. You come out to save your people, to save your anointed. You crush the leader of the house of the wicked and strip him from foot to neck. Selah, I can only imagine that the people of Ukraine are quoting these scriptures this morning. You pierce his head with his own spears. His warriors storm out to scatter us, gloating as if ready to secretly devour the weak. You tread the sea with your horses, stirring up the vast water. And that's really kind of the end of the song that he is singing to the Lord. Verse 16, it shifts. I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, yet will I celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in my God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like those of deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. Even when it looks bleak, even when the enemy forces come against me, even when enemy forces claim that the pestilence or the plague that has gone before is theirs, I know it's not theirs, I know it's yours. I'm just waiting, Lord, for you to reverse it. I'm just waiting, Lord, for the kingdom of the world to be flipped into your kingdom, and here we are. Several thousand years later, still waiting, still seeing the church triumphant in these days, knowing that the Lord is bringing about his kingdom and instituting it on this earth. Man, these things are powerful. We see that Habakkuk illustrates in his song that the Lord has control of the most fearful things on this planet. Verse five and six, it says this, remember, plague goes before him, and pestilence follows his steps. Church, there isn't a more relevant passage right now. We've literally just been dealing with a pandemic globally. We've literally been dealing with a sickness. Look, it goes before. Understand this, that it is not out of the Lord's reach. COVID did not surprise our God. It didn't. There's not a disease that is over him. He is over every disease. If we have a context and a worldview to understand that we're going to continue to struggle, we're going to continue to go through the problems and the motions that our sin causes. You're saying it's my sin? It's, it's the collective sin nature of the world. The world, the Bible says, is groaning. We, we of all people should have a context understanding that we are sinners, that bad things will continue to happen in this world. And until the Lord completely eradicates sin, he's working in it. 
He's bringing about his purposes. That's what he does. None of these things are above him. They are afraid of him, not the other way around. But how many of us, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. How many of us have our priorities of fear backwards? How many of us are driven by fear of these things? How many of us are driven by fear of man? How many of us, our very actions are controlled by others? When if we look into the text, all of those other things take their marching orders from him. You feel me? It's a perspective thing. It means that you can go through the worst of the worst and not be crushed and crippled because you're, you know you're going through it and on the other end of it, he has the victory. How many of us Christians just re we really live like this life is all we got? We really live like there is no eternity. We really live like there isn't victory for us and everything that we have is right here. That's why we're not generous. That's why we're stingy and we're greedy because I only have what I have, right? That wartime mentality where I was reading some posts from other brothers that were sharing pastors and, uh, that are over there in Ukraine now and it was just like, this is our opportunity. We can give away our food. We can give away our shelter. We can show them the love of Christ during this time. And I'm like, that's it. Like, they've got it. They understand it. It is there. It is, it's their moment to show the gospel. They know that they're stewarding everything and they're not clinging to anything because they're holding on to him. That's what we see. In this moment where Habakkuk is, is presented with losing everything, what's his attitude? I see three things. I see three things that I'm going to give you that I think are most helpful. How many have been in situations, don't raise your hand, how many have been in situations where you're at the end? You know that what's coming is just, it just makes your stomach icky. You know what I mean? And I'm not, I'm not trying to come up here today and say what you have and what you're facing is nothing compared to what other people. Look, what we're walking through is real to us. What we're going through, are, are, it's real to the Lord. It, this isn't a, a competition of who has the worst life, right? That's not what it's, your problems are real to you and they're real to God. So we have to come to grips with this that, look, where we are and in this moment, the Lord is here with us and he's for you. And coming to the end of this book, knowing that the, the prophet didn't get what he wanted, you understand? What was happening and what was coming, they, you know, the Babylonians were going to triumph over it. But he still had peace in these moments. He still had direction, even when it didn't go the way he thought it should go. Can you track with that? Is there something in your life that you're like, man, I just, I don't see it any other way. This is a struggle. I don't know how God could be in this. And here's what we do often as Christians. Well, that's what the devil's doing in my life. We spiritualize it. Well, that's the devil. That's Satan. What if the prophet would have done that and said, everything that's happening is Satan, right? It's the enemy. Then he would have missed the fact that his own people were a huge reason why this was happening. And that's what we do. We don't take responsibility for the things that are happening in our lives. But when we do, it's amazing how grace and peace come in those moments of humility. 
It's amazing when we stop passing the buck on other people and we say, this is something that I'm gonna go through. The Lord tends to work and minister in our hearts during those moments. It's like tier 10 Christianity, right? You know, they say often that character is doing right when no one is what? When no one is watching. That's your true test of character. Well, this is the true test of Christianity. It's suffering. When you're walking through hardship and trouble, do you turn to the Lord and plead to get out of it, or do you find comfort through it? If, if you plead to get out of it, you're gonna miss a blessing. I'm not saying don't make it a part of your prayer life. It was a part of his first prayer. Remember, this is the third prayer. We've already talked about those others. I'm not saying don't pray for healing. I'm not saying don't expect and anticipate the Lord to do something, but when he doesn't, it doesn't mean he left you alone. Quite the contrary, he's still working. He's still in the midst. If the Lord could heal, why doesn't he just heal everybody? He has, sweetheart. The plan of salvation heals everyone ultimately in eternity. How that plays out, the laws of sowing and reaping, the challenges that we face globally, that's something that he's working and orchestrating through. He doesn't give everybody a gold star the way we think that he should. Do you understand that his ways are not our ways? His thoughts are not our thoughts. How you perceive and think this whole thing should play out, it's a chess match that's far beyond our capacity. Does that make sense? So here's what I find in this passage. I find moments of comfort. So there's, I'm not gonna read them, Bill, but what I think is interesting is back, we may talk about them on the conversation this week, but there's several things. There's a quote from Micah. Remember, in this passage of chapter three, he quotes the psalm, Psalm 77. He quotes a passage from Micah. He quotes a passage from 2 Samuel, and he quotes another passage from Psalm 1833. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, and, and those are the ones. Those are all the quotations that we find here in chapter three. So much of that is used really to figure out when this book was written. Uh, but those are interesting quotes and they're on the program and, and we'll talk about them on the podcast this week. Let me give you these three things this week. You understand the context, you understand the moment. We're at this place where Habakkuk literally is, he's just sitting there, he's had two exchanges with the Lord. And he just picks up his guitar. And he sees the sins of the people. Sorry. He sees the sins of the people. He knows that what they're going through, they what? They deserve it. But it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And he just gets his guitar. prays for a song and the Lord gives him one you know this is something I do all the time all the time you say well I don't play music put Spotify on play a worship soundtrack you know how often Steve and I text back songs that we're listening to you say, that's not, 
Like, that's not going to help me in my time of need. (laughs) Yeah, it will. What I'm trying to show you is that the man reaches the end of his book, the end of, of all that's happening in his life, and he writes a song. Well, I'm not creative. It doesn't matter. Sing the song that the Lord's put in your heart. Make a joyful noise, Scripture says, unto the Lord. Here's what I wrote here. Number one, here's what I find that Habakkuk said. He said, the Lord is our song. Here's what I want to help you with this morning. Sing when you cannot speak. My first point is the Lord is our song. Sing when you cannot speak. If you're young or you're old and you've never reached this place in your life that you don't have words to describe the pain that you're going through, let me help you with something. A song will help. A song will help. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly among you, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Some of you, you're like, I'm not a music person. You, You need to just let somebody else who's a music person sing over you. You would be shocked. I literally come in here often, and I pick up my guitar, and I take it to my office, and it starts with a couple of chords, and then by the end of it, I'm bawling my eyes out. Say, that's weird. No, it's not. It might be weird for you because you've never tried it. I, I guarantee you, if some of you would find music and worship in times of distress, you would grow like you've never grown before. There's just something in the way that we're wired. We're created in the image of God and we're made to worship. When people talk about how, you know, we're dirt, you know, typically atheists, we're just stardust or whatever. I'm like, man, I ain't never seen stardust worship like that. I've never seen hearts cry out and long for something greater than themselves like we can and like we do. You say, this is way too practical. Okay, all right, maybe it's not for you. It's for you. <laughs> all of chapter three, Selah. He's quoting a song. He gets to this place in his life that he's like, you know what? We're just gonna sing. When you don't have words to speak, sing. There's like one, uh, mm, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. And take not thine Holy Spirit from me. Psalm 51. It's been a long time since I've sang that one. But there's scriptures that become powerful in those moments when we need them. 
You know the Bible, not all of it is made just to be read like a book or a history lesson or a wise proverb. Much of it, church, is a songbook. You need to find time to worship the Lord. Number one, the Lord is our song. Sing when you cannot speak. Uh, the Bible says in the, sorry, Kyle. Can you mute it? Okay. You'd think I'd figured it out by now, but I haven't. Psalm 28, the Bible says, look at this next scripture, and I won't tarry the point here. Psalm 28, the Bible says that in verse 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiced. And with my song will I praise him. Here's the next part. The Lord, their strength. He is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Here's the second thing. The first thing, the Lord is our what? It's our song. Number one, the Lord is our song. You ready? What's the first thing? The Lord is our song. He's our song. How many of you are going to try to sing this week? Anybody? Yes, me and Josh. We're right there this week. How many are not, you, you just, you're not a, you don't like to sing? Anybody? You want to just be that? Cody. He's the first one that came to mind. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, get in here and worship. Just do it. No, worship now. Sing. <laughs> I just encourage you today, find, find that gear. <laughs> find that gear. <laughs> Inside joke. You, you need to worship. Number one, the Lord is our what? I'm just trying to give you some things to make it through the challenge, challenging times in your life. The Lord is our what? Song. Yeah, and oftentimes songs repeat themselves. The Lord is our what? Song. There we go. You're never going to forget. There it is. <laughs> Number two, the Lord is our strength. The Lord is our strength. When you can't find the words to speak, sing. And when I find myself in those moments where I'm like, I, I just, I don't know, Lord, I, I can't articulate. It's painful. Sometimes relationships, all the time, relationships are hard. I, I don't know how to take that next step. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the capacity. And he looks at me and he says, I know, Robinson. I'm not expecting you to have the capacity. Just shut up and sing. And I, I find that when I do that, when I find that outlet of worship, the Bible says that the Lord inhabits my worship. He inhabits my praise. And at that moment, I find that the Lord is my strength. This is not just the scripture where we can uh, just look and say, well, that didn't play out well. No, this is how it can play out for you. This prophet, if Habakkuk was standing here, he'd say, what's going on in the world? What happened? Catch me up. Well, well do you, are you using the same things that I've used in the past? Well, what are those? Well, we sing. We worship. You thought this was just a plan for an order of service that the elders came up with and thought, well, this will grow the church. No. We sing because it's what we do. It's who we are in him, and it's what the Bible tells us to do. And when you sing and when you worship, you find that he's at the center of that cry, and he is your strength. Oh, my goodness. So many times where I go to the Lord and I feel empty, I leave full. I leave knowing that I couldn't lift that weight. I would have been crushed by that barbell and something happened supernaturally. That relationship, that issue that would have just bounced off my chest, he strengthens me to push through it. The Lord is our strength. 
Here's the statement for that. Rely when you want to run. The Lord, number one, is our what? The Lord is our song. When you cannot find the words to speak, sing. The Lord, number two, is our what? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm stronger than you. That's right. The Lord is our strength. (laughs) Number two, rely when you want to run. Some of you, you're not spending intimate time with the Lord, so it's easy for you to run. If I have intimate time with the Lord, and he's encouraging me, and he's blessing me, and I'm singing through some of the most challenging moments, I'm just like, man, I can't run. If the Lord is my strength in that moment that I want to run, the Bible says the righteous run into him and are safe. We need to rely when we want to run. Where's so-and-so? I haven't seen him in months. They ran. We need to rely. You need to abide. That's another word that Jesus used. You understand what I'm saying? Why do, here, this translates to real life. Why are people so quick to end their marriage? Because they don't invest. They don't have time that they have spent steeping each other in the, in the marriage relationship. There's not time of worship together. There's not time of intimacy. And I'm not talking about just physically. It's so easy for people to leave and run when they should be relying, but they haven't built anything to rely on. This is how it works. You encounter hardship and struggle. Rex, you better straighten up back there. I see him. You encounter hardship and struggle. Look, here's the first thing. The Lord, number one, the Lord is your what? And the second thing, the Lord is your what? He's your strength. Rely when you want to run. The third thing is this. The Lord is our salvation. The Lord is our salvation. That's the ultimate end. The word salvation means deliverance. Sozo, Greek word, deliver. That's what it means, just to be delivered. In this moment, Habakkuk wanted to be delivered, but the Lord delivered him at the end. It's the Lord's choosing. It's appointed in a man once to die, but after this, the what? The judgment, Scripture says. And if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we know that he is our what? Salvation. You can throw this text up there. Psalm 27, 1 through 4, the chapter before says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers came to devour my flesh, my foes, my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. I asked anything, I asked one thing rather from the Lord. If it is what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. You see, there was something more important to them than their survival. It was their relationship with the Lord. They understood, the prophet understood in this moment, like the psalmist saying, that their posterity was taken care of. All he wanted was to be in the Lord's presence. I think about Stephen, the first deacon of the church in the book of Acts. Remember the Bible says that as they were stoning him and the apostle Paul holding the coats, having a part in this. Think about this. First 30 years of the church, we have a man that was just serving his congregation. And the Bible says that he was stoned for his belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happens? He says, Father, what? Forgive him. 
Though my enemies come, though they rise up against me, they don't find their salvation in victory over their enemies. They find their salvation in the Lord. And in that moment when Stephen was being stoned, if you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, we have our Bible today because of men and women that have died for translating this book, for getting it to us, dying for what they believed in. They did it because the Lord was their salvation not living another few years. They were living for something greater than themselves. How many of us will truly in our lives to connect to something greater than us? The world is longing and searching for something. And this is the answer. I just long to be in his temple. You know, I think often about what is it gonna be like? And I, I say every day, I say, Lord, it'd be nice if you came today. Lord, it sure be nice. Lord, I know you are the mighty warrior. Lord, I know you're the king of kings. Lord, I know that when you come to this earth, and that's what I see in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, regardless of how you see the eschatological timeline playing out, the Lord's coming back. And I believe with all my heart that when he does, he wins. I'm not living for this temporary victory. I'm living for that victory. I'm not living so that my presence can be peaceful and my presence isn't painful. I'm living for the Lord because he is my salvation. He gave us this example on the cross. If, if maybe you're new to Christianity, the Lord Jesus did not have to put on human flesh. He was God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, scripture says, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. He put himself in harm's way. When he could have been out of harm's reach, he put himself in a harm's way for you and for me. It puts in context all the suffering that we endure in our lives. You say, I'm struggling right now. I know, and the Lord Jesus Christ chose to come into time and accept that struggle himself. What does that mean? It means that he did what we could not do. We are sinners, we struggle. If, if you're wondering if you're a sinner or not, have a kid. They're born sinners, the little hellions. It's true. And if you don't think your child is a sinner, I'm available for counseling through the week. Because everybody else knows it except you. Little demons. Sin nature is passed on. That means the struggle is there for everyone. We're, we're, we're talking about an echo from the past, from this prophet Habakkuk, and it's real today. And my point is this, you're not gonna get out of this thing alive, nobody is. You feel me? So you can try to do it on your own. You can try to earn as much money as you can to make it as comfortable as you can. You can try to be the best that you can be. Be all that you can be. You can try to better your crafts so that you feel really good about your existence on this world, on this, on this rock. But ultimately, everything. Solomon said this, the wisest, richest man in all the world, he said this, at the end of his life, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. In other words, everything in this life is empty. What you think it will bring you in terms of happiness only returns with emptiness. But the Bible says that there's one thing that doesn't return void, and that's the Bible. That's the eternal truths. 
that Jesus came. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God. And here's what I'm trying to tell you this morning. He is your salvation. The longer you look in your life for your own end of happiness, the more miserable you'll get. But the faster you lose your life and you give up trying to make yourself happy and you put your faith and trust, you rely instead of run. You put your faith in Jesus. The Bible says that he is your salvation. Here's another scripture. The Bible says that today is the day of your salvation. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you ought to know this. And if you need to repent today and say, I have been putting my faith and trust in myself. And I'm not my salvation. It's painful, isn't it? Sometimes in the sanctification process, we need reminders that we're not the cat's meow. We need reminders that we're still sinners and that we don't save ourselves. Do you understand? Or am I the only, maybe I'm just the only one that needs that reminder every now and then. By the looks of it, all of you guys are good. I'm just kidding. Look, we all need that reminder. And if today is that reminder for you, look, the Lord is our what? The Lord's our song. Great job. Number one, the Lord is our what? Number two, the Lord is our what? Number three, the Lord is our what? Salvation. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thanks for tuning in for this message on the Bethlehem Church Podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. If you want to know more about us, feel free to check out our website at Bethlehemchurch.cc. And also in every message that we publish, you'll find our sermon notes in the description. And we hope that you'll study these topics further. We'll see you next time.